of another week and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, maybe some house chores. Or are you sitting in traffic? Oh, don't worry, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show... All about games, and there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who knows that every day is Mother's Day, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, Jeff. I hope this was your first, right? Very first. Yeah, well, I mean, I've experienced Mother's Days before, but for my wife, it was the right. first Mother's Day as a mother. It's my first Mother's Day as a father married to a mother. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was big. It was big times, man. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait for you to get your first tie later this summer. <laughs> oh, is that what happens on Father's Day? I get a tie? I, I, I feel like that's what happens. <laughs> well, I do dress up every every day to do this show. So uh, <laughs> I wear my tie and my Mac Weldon's, and that's about it, um, <laughs> as we know. Hey, we got uh, we got a big show to talk about. Uh, there's there's gaming news. We're we're ramping up. We're adding what do we add? Coal, I guess, to the to the uh, hype train. Is that what powers the hype train? No, uh, we're on a, actually on a, a hype hyperloop. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's using super super fuels and uh-huh. the power of the sun, or a hype tunnel under Los Angeles. That that seems totally okay, Elon. Why not? <laughs> I like it. So we got we got the hype train stoking up. E three is just around the corner, so we'll be talking big news. We got games to talk about, and we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we're excited because DLC stands for Destination Looking at Computers. Because from Ars Technica, we have senior gaming editor Kyle Orland joining us. Hey, Kyle. Hey, I really thought you were going for DLK over there. You, you switched things up at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, sometimes sometimes they're easier than other times. We, we, we like Nether Realm Studios over here. You know, like we keep the C where it belongs. <laughs> we we like looking at computers at Ars Technica. That's true. So indeed, <laughs> can't really argue. Uh, we we're excited to have you. Had a, a lot of uh, listeners actually suggested you to be on the show. So uh, oh, first timer, we're excited Hi, for you to be here. Yeah, thank you for your recommendation. I hope um, I do proud. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. And uh, we will jump right into it and start the show the way we always do. With story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration using our hashtag on Twitter. That's DLCSOTW. Or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out there talking about the show, submitting stories. Really interesting, fun community, so you should give it a shot yourself. Kyle, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, well, I was just seeing this morning the Kickstarter launched for uh, Project Rap Rabbit. Uh, that's the collaboration between the creators of uh, Parappa the Rapper 
and uh, games like Guitaru Man and uh, Wendon and Elite Beat Agents. Uh, those are two different people, if it wasn't clear from my phrasing there. I'm, and I'm going to get their names totally wrong in pronunciation here. Uh, Masaya Matsura and uh, Ke- Keiichi Yano. I think you nailed it. All I right. Knocked it out of the park. Uh, yeah. I, I apologize to any Japanese people still. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, these are I, I love these kind of rhythm games. Uh, you know, Parappa the Rapper is a legendary in, uh, you know, I first played it on the PlayStation demo disc when it came out, and that was, like, the only game I had for a while. So I'd, I'd go through that Chop Chop Master Onion stage all over, over <laughs> and over. Uh, Elite Beat Agents and Oendon. Oendon, even though I, you know, I don't know the language at all, I think that actually helped the game yeah. in that I just had the crazy visuals and tapping on the DS and some crazy rhythms. Um, so I really want to be excited about this, but then I think about, you know, some of the other things that, that these guys have done. I don't know if you remember uh, Major Miner's Majestic March on the Wii. I've never played that, no. Yeah, I, you're, you're a lucky man. It's, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of supposed to be like a marching band simulator, and you raise the baton up and down like the Wii remote. And, try, and it just, it's so wonky. No then, one said no to that. No one said, hey, guys, I don't think people want that. Well, I mean, it's the creator of Parappa the Rapper. How do you say yeah, no? That's right. the thing. Yeah, and everybody then, doubted Barappa the Rapper when it was. And what about Vib Ribbon? Yeah, well, Vib, Vib Ribbon. That's an amazing game. Uh, I play. I, I finally got to play it when it came back to uh, the PlayStation Vita through a download. Yeah. Um, the great thing about that is you could put in like any CD or MP3 later on and just play that track. It would try to generate the courses for you. That's awesome. And uh, just the look of it was great. So I, you know, um, I'm trying to get hyped for this, but I'm trying not to get my expectations too high because. You know, with with when the creators are this well known for for great projects, it, you're kind of setting yourself up for a letdown almost. Yeah. I'm trying not to, but uh, they just released some new uh, details about it today. Uh, it's it's kind of like Parappa the Rapper style, except uh, you get to choose how your responses to the opponent are going to be. You get to go with with four different emotions, kind of like uh, Bioware style, and that mm-hmm. will choose what the lyrics are going to be for your response uh, in true rap battle fashion. I love it. And, and the, uh, the concept art of the actual rap rabbit and his frog friend, uh, looked pretty cool. It, this certainly does seem like an actual Kickstarter, not, not the Kickstarters where it's like, we've already pretty much made it and we want to get some seed funding here to, you know, kind of shop it around to publishers. This really does look like we need money to start work on this. <laughs> yeah. They need, they need $1.1 million, uh, yeah. which is going to, it's going to be a lift. They have 50,000 I'm looking right now, uh, but it's been less than a day so far. Uh, you know, hopefully that picks up because I'd, I'd like to see what they can do, even, even if I'm not uh, 100% guaranteed that it's going to be great. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting no matter what. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you. I mean, I think Elite Beat Agents is one of my favorite DS games ever. And, uh, you know, I love Parappa the Rappa and I love rhythm games in general. And these two guys getting together, teaming up like an Avengers super team to create a, a new, uh, a new thing. It sounds really cool. Yeah. We had a long time where it was like the guitar heroes and, um, karaoke revolution and rock band were, were taking over that genre where it was just like you make music and that's it. And yeah. the, the story based ones, there was uh, Parappa, there was space channel five elite beat agents, you know, it, it never really caught on much more than a niche while the other ones just kind of skyrocketed and then plummeted Crashed, to earth. Yeah. So it's nice to see someone continuing that niche, even if uh, it's not going to, it's probably not going to be, you know, big time uh, moneymaker. What do you think about this, Christian? Are you, uh, are you excited for Project Rap Rabbit? 
I, I hope it gets made. It's that genre of game has never, it, it never spoke to me for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because I was late to the PlayStation 2. Um, like I didn't get into rhythm games until I could have a big, dumb plastic peripheral to hold on to <laughs> right. for, for whatever reason. But I hope they get their funding. It looks like, again, I think the things for Kickstarter is looking at the team behind it, the pedigree, and can they do it? I, I'm not sure if they're asking for enough money. Like I don't know if a million bucks gets them to make this like is is all the funding they need for this game but it's certainly people that have made these games can make these games and likely will make this game it's not like hey guys do you remember prapper the rapper well now we're making an open world star wars (laughs) (laughs) rpg and you're like no you're not (laughs) yeah i think this um this is the kind of game that might not need that you know 50 million dollar budget or or whatever like like the shinmu 3 kickstarter you feel like that's going to be a drop in the bucket for what they're trying to do. And, you know, that's going to come out in five years or whatever. This seems like it's, it's a 2d game where you, you need to put a lot of work into the music and the art, but it's not going to be like uh, you're creating an entire world and there's going to be a lot of debugging and uh, yeah. artificial intelligence and stuff. It's, it's more straightforward. So it's hopefully that the, the breath of the wild of rhythm games. No. Right now. <laughs> you can avoid that feature creep. I hope. <laughs> Christian, how about you? What do you got for your story of the week? Well, you mentioned it at the top of the show that the, that the hype train is, you know, chugga chugga chugging right now. Sir Topham Hat is yelling at him, being like, "Watch out for Thomas!" Uh, hi, I have two young kids, and um, <laughs> I didn't get any of that yet. But you, really, you're not into Thomas the Tank Engine yet? I guess no not way, yet. Dude. No. I mean, you could still read your son a book, even though he might not be interested in it. <laughs> That's how I, it came I, out. I read him. Uh, we were reading through um, the Wizard of Oz right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. He too anyway. will be afraid of witches and monkeys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed uh, Origins has been the leaked title for a while. Well, now it, let's let's do this first. Yeah. First one of the season. I didn't know you had that ready. Nice. What do you What do you mean? Did I not have that ready? Come on. Who? What's my name? The Uh, guy who forgets to press record between segments sometimes. Yes, that's true. Uh, I just wanted to give it its due, man. You can launch back into the story, but first one of the season. It's 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 gearing up. We're stoking the stoking the one month away. Yeah. Mind-boggling. Yeah, I'm already tired. But go ahead. (laughs) I'm already. I've I actually bought a. 4,000 public E3 tickets too. And I'm just, I'm not going to share them. I'm just going to say I need at least 4,000 people's room of space around me at all yeah. times. Like I oh, bought yeah, the floor that space. A, that would be a service. That <laughs> we, all, we all thank you actually for yeah. making it less crowded. <laughs> uh, it's Assassin's Creed. It's a prequel title. It's called Assassin's Creed Origins is the rumor. Also long rumored, like, uh, gosh, probably three years. The first rumors of this started coming out that it would, it's going to be set in Egypt and that looks to be confirmed as well. And it's going to return the naval combat that everybody loved from Black Flag. And it looks like it's bringing back the idea of past and present. Whereas I think it's interesting because it's a merge of Black Flag, which kind of got rid of that. Like, you know, the larger story existed, but they were also like, uh, we don't know where this story goes anymore. <laughs> Here's a fun adventure. And now I'm curious as a prequel if they're going to try any attempt to retcon also, because the the future or present of the Assassin's Creed series, to me personally, became such a mess. It seemed so cool in the first couple, and then it became, 
it never lived up to that potential. And I think the interesting thing about a prequel is they have the opportunity to uh, to hopefully fix that stuff. Kyle, are you uh, are you an Assassin's Creed guy? Does this excite you? Uh, I've played I played through some of the early ones, and it's been getting less and less uh, interesting to me as they crank them out year after year, and it all seems to kind of run together. But uh, I've always hated all the parts where it goes into the, the present or the future, or whatever you call it. It, it just it, even in the early going, it never made any sense to me what was what was actually happening and it, it just got worse as, as time went on uh i think there's a perfectly serviceable thing you can do where it's just like there's this guild of assassins and they you know exist in all these important time periods in history and when you when you mix that in with this it, it, oh it's all a simulation and it's it's actually some guy who's a descendant who's going back and living their memories through dna memory and but it's not really him. It's just a memory of him, and he can affect things. But it's not real. And I just when you put it like it, that, it sounds real dumb. Yeah, when you put it accurately, when you when you describe it, it's, there's no way not to make it dumb. It's just it's dumb. I'm sorry. Well, it, it's it's really cool if handled with the right t- like. It, everything is dumb, right? Like to boil it down <laughs> into a simple sentence. Great. It, everything is everything is dumb. This is this is overwrought dumb. This is this is overcomplicated <laughs> type of. It, it's trying I like. I, I prefer everything is awesome, uh, but that's just me. Go ahead. Okay, Lego Movie. What I yeah, meant yeah. though is that as you explain things that have like some things don't need to be explained. And I think Assassin's Creed ran into the same problem that Logan, the character, not the movie, and like Weapon X, and pretty much every comic that's ever existed runs into where they're like, oh, we got to explain this crap that was just a cool thing. It's like, imagine if we were on like Bioshock 8 and, they, <laughs> and we had the origin of, uh, oh God, what's the case? No, you don't there? have to, you don't have to imagine because you can just go see Alien Covenant if you want, if you want to oh. be. Is that really Bioshock 8? No, is that, it's, is that it's, what it's like. It's, it's an example of what Christian is talking about. Oh, um, I see. We didn't need the origin of the aliens, guys. Mm. We didn't. We didn't need to know where they come from. Because first, before would help. you kindly, we actually went for fifteen years of would you please, and here's the results of, and you're just like, yeah. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm optimistic, and also Assassin's Creed Jeff, bringing it back to the hype train, has some of the best E3 trailers and presentations of all That's time, true. in my opinion. Those, those things were epic. Yeah, and and you you can certainly bet that Ubisoft will feature this this iteration of Assassin's Creed front and center in their E3 festivities. I have never been a huge Assassin's Creed fan, but everything I had heard about this this uh, entry into the series uh, made me think that maybe there was some hope for me. Maybe you know the fact that they took a year off and they were kind of going back to the drawing board and. A year ago when we heard them talking about the idea that, hey, it wasn't going to be such a prescribed narrative. It wasn't going to be so cutscene heavy and and just forcing the, the player down a specific path. It really was going to be build your own narrative and much more sandboxy and much more honoring the player's decisions, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, well, maybe this is really going to be a departure for what Assassin's Creed has become. And it's going to be that Breath of the Wild style, like complete reimagining of what this series means this leak while not very meaty in terms of content you know it's just a screenshot and some you know a couple sentences about what it's about makes me feel a little less like that's going to (laughs) happen i i don't you know i don't want to read too much into a little bit of info i will reserve judgment for when they actually announce it at e3 but 
it certainly doesn't seem like it's going to be that different from what we expect from an Assassin's Creed. And I know that will please a lot of people because Assassin's Creed is a very popular franchise. But for me, what I was really hoping for was for, you know, that like Breath of the Wild or, you know, uh, Tomb Raider reboot or whatever, that that thing that really makes you – or God of War, you know, the when God of War was announced, it's like, oh my gosh, they really are looking at this this franchise with fresh eyes and it's a completely different take. But I don't think that's I, happening. I will say that taking a year off can only help uh, when, you, when you're cranking these games out every year, even if you're juggling the studios a little bit uh, – there's really not much time to do anything except uh, make the new environments and uh, paste in the old gameplay. Right. Yeah. No, and I, and I was hoping maybe a year isn't enough to kind of really go back to the drawing board. You know, you need like five years, like a, a Zelda, you know, would take or yeah. something or like God that. But I've got a war. Right. Exactly. But um, well, we'll see. We'll see more at E3. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'll hang on the caboose of the hype train for this one for a while, but hopefully uh, I'll move up to the, Beverage can, beverage cart. What? You're not, you're not going to get past the dining cart. No, that's where I hang out. I like we hang <laughs> onto the beverage cart in the dining cart. That's, like the best part of, that's the best part of E3 is the food, man. <laughs> the free food. No. This metaphor is going off the rails, guys. Oh, nice. <laughs> we just entered Uncharted Two territory. Hey, hey. <laughs> wow. Okay, so my story of the week uh, is that Payday Two is getting a free VR mode. This was an announcement from Starbreeze Studio. Starbreeze all in on VR, man. They like they're they have their own hardware. They're building their own headset which actually a year ago E3 or was it 2 years ago E3? I think it was last year. Uh, I tried it, not it was did not impress me. Uh, <laughs> heavy. It was rough. Rough. But they're still working on it. They actually also announced that they're doing this thing called um Storm, I guess, which is this installation-based uh, VR project that they're working on using that headset. And it has, like, wider field of view than any of the others. And it's wireless. And it's it's one of those, like, amusement park, go and pay money, laser tag style. And, and you play this cool VR thing in this building, you know. So they're all in on VR. And as proof of that, their marquee title, Payday 2, is now getting this free update. Uh, which is going to allow people to play the game, the full game. This is not a mode. This is not some series of mini games in the Payday universe. This is Payday 2, the entire full game that you can play in VR. They showed it on Vive. And even better than that, you can play with players who are not in VR. So it's completely seamless for you to play alongside other players. You're not partitioned off in your own little walled garden uh, area where you, you know, you have fewer people to queue for games with or whatever you are in the ecosystem. You're just playing in VR and other people are playing however they want to play. Um, it looks really, really cool. It's allowing for, you know, dual wielding and, you know, all of the cool VR stuff you would think where it's ma mapping your hands and you're moving around. I love this. I think this is, indicative of what we're going to see over the next year where more of these high profile projects are going to see the light of day. It's going to show people that you can play the kinds of games that you already love are going to be made better by, by being in VR, or even if it's not better, it's, it's equivalent and exciting in its own right. And, um, I think we're going to see a huge amount of VR announcements and cool stuff at E3 this year. And payday two is, is I think the first, harbinger of that for me kyle are you uh are you excited about this i i'd like to be but i'd like to i'd like to be proven wrong about my my lack of excitement i i feel like 
if a game is designed not for VR and you just try and say, oh, we're making the entire game now playable in VR, it's not an easy lift. There's so many things you have to change. Just getting around, for one, uh, are you going to be going at the same speed that you were going in when you're just on a monitor? Because yeah. that, that sounds like a trip straight to Nausea City to me, especially for a game like Payday 2. Um, if you're, you said you're playing against uh, people who are playing on their on their monitors on a regular computer uh, against VR, I can't imagine that being very well balanced. If I just have to, you know, push the E key to lean out, whereas someone else has to actually, you know, take two seconds and lean their body, and then if they want to dodge back, they have to move back. That's, I mean, that's not going to be a fair. You've well, never seen it, me dodge, Kyle. You've never <laughs> seen me dodge. It's also, it's also might like be unfair. Yes. Maybe unfair the other way around because you can do things in VR that you could never do, like unhinging your head from your hands. So you know, right? You, or you, I, you know, I could walk through a wall in the game that there's no wall in real life. So what are you going to do if my player <laughs> walks into the wall? You're going to, I mean, how? There's just a million different things you have to handle that were not designed for. This is the game was built years ago when VR was not even a thought. Right. Uh, and they can change up a lot of stuff, and you know some people have made conversions that that actually work. Um, one of my favorite games, Super Hot uh, VR, is oh, my, so pretty much my favorite VR experience, and that was built in a way that they they changed it up enough so that it worked in VR. The, the game itself was already kind of uh, in in universe of virtual reality thing, but right. they made it so that you don't really have to walk around as much. The enemies come at you. Uh, you're kind of just standing in one place rather than running around. So right. uh, they uh, they obviously thought it out. If this sounds like they want the exact same experience as Payday Two uh, when you're playing on a keyboard and mouse, and that's it's. I think they're they unless they've really thought it through. I think it's going to be a, a letdown for some people. So my thing reading this story, Jeff, and I'm not sure because I read it a couple of different places. Um, and just kind of skimmed through it. I, I'm not. I think they're saying that maybe the entire game can be playable in VR, but I also feel like what they're touting mostly is this other big. It's not like a one-off like carnival game, but it's like a a different mode that is a VR mode that people not in VR can also play. Like I, I don't know, but I, the impression I got was that maybe there's something else that isn't the traditional, you know, super competitive payday two version of the game, and instead maybe it's like a more like a GTA five uh, heist, you know, like co-op, get some friends together, go play this thing and it's tuned and balanced for VR. But then also if you don't have a headset, don't worry, you can still get in and, and play this. That's thing. accurate. I mean, here's the a direct quote of the article that I'm looking at. The developers also explained that it wouldn't be a small one-off experience. Instead, the entire game will be playable in VR. Right. I think, the, I think the entire game might also be playable, but, uh well it doesn't it doesn't matter we'll find out soon enough um i share kyle's reservations for just traditional competitive payday 2 in vr but i like seeing more big games being brought to the experience because that's always a good thing you know for the for the software or hardware right but payday 2 you can also play just like cooperatively versus the computer right i mean i haven't played it in a long long time but uh, you can do anything and everything in Payday Two. I feel yeah. like at this point that game is is old. <laughs> it's coming to it's coming to Switch. The the Switch can run Payday Two, right? Like this yeah. game, this game has been around for forever. It, it's tried and true. It's kind I, of sprawling at this point. But e- even the single player games, I, I worry that it's not going to be tuned to be real comfortable in mm-hmm. VR. It's just it's it's going to be like the same exact uh, 
environments, the same exact graphics, but just moving around and, uh, you know, looking with your head rather than your mouse, it's, uh, if the game isn't built for it, it's, uh, it can cause a lot of problems. Well, unsurprisingly, I'm looking at it the opposite way. I feel like it's a huge advantage to be in VR, but, uh, we'll see. I'm surprised you didn't mention the Microsoft VR thing, to be perfectly honest. Like, their their touch controllers were announced. Yeah, they look really cool. Those, what are they call them? Like grip controllers? Is that what they were called? Knuckles them? or something? Or knuckles, or? yeah. It's like yeah. Sonic and Knuckles and... <laughs> um, yeah, it looks really cool. I'm very excited for that, too. Yeah, I think... I, I really do... I mean, based on a bunch of meetings I already have set up for E3, there's a lot of really cool VR stuff that's going to be happening, and I think we're going to see... I think we're going to see some neat announcements. Um, but... Let's talk a little bit about some other news stories. I think all of us kind of buried the lead because I think what today just came out or yesterday just was revealed that Nintendo is continuing to make mobile games and they're continuing to use their top shelf IP to do so. Evidently, the next smartphone app that is coming out in the latter half of 2017 is Animal Crossing. But after that... We're getting a Legend of Zelda, guys. We're getting a Zelda for smartphones. Mm. Oh, we ex- <laughs> there was a tepid response. Uh, hey. yeah. I don't know. We got we just got a good Zelda on. Yeah. Only it was portable though. If it was portable. Uh, oh wait. Have you, have you tried taking that switch out of the dock? <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, it's not attached in oh, there. My no, mine's all scratched and bent. It's it's merged. <laughs> they can't. Uh, so it's not portable for you. Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, let me yeah. ask you this question. Let's approach it this way. First of all, it sounds like the excitement level is 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 uh, tame. But what kind of Zelda would you want to see the, on a smartphone? Yeah, this is the thing. We know we know so little about this. When when I picture Animal Crossing on a smartphone, I'm like, okay, you could. I mean, it could be literally like the last uh, 3ds version of Animal Crossing, just with you know, touchscreen controls. You tap here, you you build your thing, you talk to people. That's no big deal. For for Zelda... But wait, wait, wait. Let me just... Because I think Animal Crossing on a smartphone could be very dangerous. I mean, if you have an Animal Crossing that has uh, that has notifications, oh, that's, that's terrible. If you have an Animal Crossing that, like, integrates with your email app somehow and you're getting, like, actual emails from your little critters going, you haven't watered your plants in a while. What's so, going so on? How about this? What if they go the Pokemon Go route and you need to go specific places in the real world? Uh, to find items that could be a very real possibility Actually, that could that- be a very real yeah big yeah. popular thing so I, I, i'm excited about that i could see how that would work and that would be that's it that seems like a great property to take over for zelda so let, let's assume you're doing like a 2d overhead you know link to the past or link between worlds type thing are you going to use uh on-screen controls you know like a, a d-pad and buttons i don't think People I don't even think that. it's going to be that, though. I don't think Nintendo has expressed uh, interest in, in doing anything like that. So, you know, it's probably going to be, I don't know, something like with the Zelda IP. Is it, is it going to be Super Mario Run style, really, where they they'd, either they Link dumb run. it down. They, yeah, they, they <laughs> Link Run. They dumb, it, they dumb it down a lot to make it simple enough for, like, one or two taps. Or, again, or maybe it's just, you know, like Zelda characters in, uh, you know, a Gachapon game or something else that's guaranteed to make money we, we know so little about this that it's really hard for me to say oh it's it's zelda on your phone yeah. but we don't you don't if that's that doesn't mean you're getting uh breath of the wild or anything close to <laughs> i it. think pro- very unlikely in fact yeah i think the least likely thing is that it's going to be a zelda game as we know it i think 
Nintendo is smart enough, at least they've shown that they're smart enough to understand that the way you do mobile is to do a mobile game and put your characters in it instead of keep putting the games your characters already do into a mobile environment. And I think they're, they're smart enough to know that, and I think that's a positive thing. I mean, they, they've already shown, what was that Wii U Zelda game that was like Zelda Heroes or something weird where it's like, well, it's a Zelda game, but, you know, we made it, it's an action Dynasty Warriors style thing. All right. They're High not precious. Rule warriors. High rule warriors. warriors. Well done. Um, yeah, they're not precious about this stuff. And I think that, I think you're going to find that it's, it's a very different kind of game that just happens to star Link and Ganon and Zelda. Yeah, I think that, that you can run into a problem with the marketplace with that, though. When, like, in Super Mario Run's case, people are like, oh, Mario on my phone. I like that. And then they play it. And it's, it's yes, yeah. you know, you can't go backwards. And there's a, you're, it's only very short levels. And you're going for high scores rather than exploration. Right. And, you know, it, it's still doing okay. It's like a top 200 app months later. But it's not uh, Pokemon Go or uh, anything like that. So I think I think a lot of people are going to look at it because it's Zelda and be really interested, but they have to do it in a way that's going to keep that interest. And, you know, Nintendo has a very hit or miss track record as far as mobile conversions so far. Yeah. I mean, that's my question to you guys. Uh, and, and Jeff, I'll start with you. Cause I think I, I might know the answer. Um, I feel like Zelda to me is, is the IP doesn't mean as much as the quality of game I'm going to get, like the adventure game. When someone says Zelda, I'm picturing a certain type of game, and I know it's going to be quality because it's an, a marquee Nintendo franchise. To me, the Zelda IP, I'm not going to buy, like I didn't buy Hyrule Warriors. Uh, I wasn't super excited about Soul Calibur 2 with Link because that I, that's not what was bringing me to Soul Calibur. I know maybe some people were, but my, Jeff, like, are you uh, enamored enough by the IP that, You'll play um, a Fire Emblem game if it's Link in it or if it's like Link um, Pinball or something like that. Like, is the name no. enough to get you to play another type of game? Or do you- No, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, But I do think the fact that they are willing to put that IP on something indicates that they're confident with a level of quality. Um, Hyrule Warriors, I think, maybe might be the exception to that. I don't know. I didn't play a lot of that game, but I heard it was actually pretty decent. Um, I'm, what I'm hoping for is I think it would be really cool if they did some sort of like turn-based Zelda on mobile, something that really works on, on a mobile platform, you know, that I don't have to be hunkered over playing this and miss my stop on the bus or whatever, because, (laughs) because I don't have any time to pause. I, I think something really different and really interesting could be done and it could still be really high quality and feel like a Zelda in, in a certain sense, but be a departure for the franchise. I think that's an interesting opportunity for them. I would I would play Link Pinball, but mainly because <laughs> uh, I love uh, Nintendo's pinball games in uh, general. Uh, Metroid Prime Pinball, uh, Kirby's Pinball Land. They they've done some good uh, one off conversions like that in the past. So, but I don't think that's what they're going to be doing. I think people would feel kind of betrayed by that. So I think they're it's going to be something along the lines of a Zelda adventure, but it's going to be hard. It, like a turn-based battle system, that's very different for Zelda. That's not what people come come in expecting and might be a, might be a heavy lift to uh, yeah, get them to I accept Yeah, but I mean, like, like, a, like a Tomb Raider or a Lara Croft Go or a Hitman Go or something, you know, like those... Oh, that'd be cool. Those things are cool and they work and, you know, I think a Zelda where they 
conform. They can't call it Zelda Go though. They've already ruined the. <laughs> Their Go means something different than uh, than Hitman's Go. That's true. Yeah, quite a bit. That's true. Um, let's talk a little bit about Mass Effect. Uh, we got a couple of news stories this week about Bioware. It sounds like um, the Mass Effect Andromeda release uh, and how rocky it was and how uh, – I mean, I'm sure it sold very well, but it sounds like Mass Effect is going to go bye-bye for a little while. And there has been some restructuring at Bioware Montreal, the studio behind Mass Effect. And there is a report in Kotaku saying that they are scaling down the Mass Effect franchise and it's going on hiatus for a little while. In parallel to that, another new story says, uh, based on the um, financial call that uh, EA CEO Andrew Wilson made to investors, said that Bioware's next game release is has been delayed a little bit. It was set to come out uh, in the fiscal quarter that ended in March of 2018, and now it will be in the fiscal quarter that um, ends in April of 2019, or March, excuse me, 2019. So... It seems pretty likely that it's a fall release 2018 at the earliest. But the more interesting point is that this new Bioware game isn't Dragon Age and it isn't Mass Effect. It is a new IP, an IP that they've been working on since 2012, and that is a action RPG and will be a live service. So a live service is something along the lines of um, – of the division or destiny. It's these games that are, that are online perpetual worlds that you jump into and jump out of. So it sounds like Bioware is kind of scaling back the RPG stuff that we know of them and creating a new IP, letting mass effect rest for a while and creating something brand new. And Kyle, I'm wondering what your take on this is. I I don't think it's a bad idea for them. Actually. Um, Going back into Mass Effect after Mass Effect 3 always seemed kind of, uh, not necessarily foolhardy, but very difficult uh, to me. First of all, the way the ending to Mass Effect 3 uh, was received, and then how they had to actually redo it a few months later because of the fan outcry should tell you a little bit about uh, where that series was uh, at that point. And now, then continuing it, this has been the first Mass Effect without... Um, the two doctors who uh, co-founded Bioware, whose right. uh, names I can never pronounce uh, correctly, uh, they they left and have left kind of uh, their protege who who worked on the Mass Effect games to to lead things off, and you know it led to a lot of changes. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, I feel, tried to do uh, too much. Uh, it had to had to kind of reset the story by going to a new place with new characters, and also kind of. Uh, changed up the the action of the gameplay there's more platforming uh in some places uh there's uh and there's 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 uh more not uh, kind of resource management type things uh yeah. going on and it it just came off uh a little jumbled so i think taking a break from that ip i think i think ending it at 3 would have been okay it had its own fine story arc and you know focusing on something new is is a good way to get the juices flowing uh, you're not tied to all the baggage that's come from these, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of Mass Effect or Dragon Age or, yeah. or whatnot. And you can, if you're, if you're looking to try out new things, especially, you know, a games as a service type thing, which is, seems to be where all the uh, developers are going, where all the money is these days. Uh, having a new IP is definitely a 
good way to do that. So I, I think it's a smart move, even if in the short term it means less uh, content cranking out uh, for us in in the coming months. In the chat room, uh, could four three two says Bioware making a Destiny style game is sad. Do you agree, sad. Christian? No, I mean not not entirely. I, I mean I. It's the thing where you want the company to keep making the thing that you love. You want them to keep making that thing because you love that thing. But if they keep making that thing, then everyone's like, it's just still that same thing. It's like, you know, it's like saying that that Andromeda, I think the strengths of Andromeda are in its action combat, which I would never have said for the previous Mass Effects. I think the, the things that it does best for my money is what would work best in a Destiny style game. It, so I want to get back to the the uh, Kud's point, but to to ask your question though, is that what it does? It do that well, or is that what it does best? Because those are two very different <laughs> statements, and I would say it's what it does best. Yeah, I mean it. It's a point. Yeah, I mean it's not bad. It's not. It, that, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, but that's also different than it being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm hopeful that they can bring to bear, you know, such a level of artistry that it, and there's a new IP, they would want to, you know, put their flag in the ground. I, I'm hopeful that it is really a cool game and, a, and an interesting idea that, that kind of feels fresh and different for them. Right. Cause that's what we want, right? That's what we were just saying about Assassin's Creed. So to yeah. could four, three, two's point, I understand. And the easy reaction is like, yeah, 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 I agree. But read that sentence where it says Nintendo making a fallout four. um, uh oh god oblivion style game with zelda is sad and i feel like morrowind and fallout already you know did that sort of thing and filled that marketplace nintendo shouldn't go open world and then nintendo not only went open world they opened up open world so like the idea of someone coming into this area with a fresh perspective and they've made quality games in the past i think that's more exciting to me than if they announced mass effect andromeda 2 like that i would be like nope <laughs> right this is this is what gamers always want we want something that's uh, familiar and also something like nothing we've ever seen we yeah. want it to be comfortable and, and something that we're used to and also uh, innovative and uh, never before seen man we are yeah. real a-holes we are, we're <laughs> awful gamers are the worst Basically, Kai, what I heard you say is that uh, we're already naming Red Dead 2 and uh, God of War reboot as our games of the year. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Game of the show. Uh, All right. On that note, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. If you're looking to make your next move, you should make your next move with Squarespace. If your next move is a website, you're likely to... uh, need something that is easy that is convenient that's not going to crash if you're making your next move in any (laughs) in any field it's pretty likely that you're going to need a website and you want your website to be awesome squarespace allows you to do that quickly easily and not have to think about it too much you don't have to worry about figuring out how to program an html you don't have to do a whole lot of stuff all you got to do is log on to squarespace.com dlc then you start making it and you start making it with a template they have already got for you they got dozens and dozens of these things they're professionally designed they're gorgeous and then you can start messing with it you can drag and drop things move stuff around it's all visual it's all what you see is what you get you just click click here click there create the site you want Make your next move look great, make it unique, make it not look like every other site on the on the internet, but not look 
bad, not make people go, oof, I don't want to come here. These are the people that have been doing this the longest. I honestly have been using Squarespace for about a decade now, which is insane. Jeff Kanata is built and housed on Squarespace. These They make it so easy to update your website. They make it so easy to create something great. And if you have any problems, they have 24-7 customer support. They got unique domains that come with a year's service. And you can build your site without having to give them a credit card. You can make sure you like it before you ever even have the option to pay them. And then once you do like it, all you got to do is use our promo code, which is Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, and you'll get 10% off. That's pretty cool. You'll show your support for this show, which is also cool. So go to squarespace.com slash DLC, build your website, make your next move, make it look great and beautiful, and use that promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. Kyle, what is on your playlist? What have you been playing? Oh, I've got a ton of stuff that I've been getting into lightly, but not uh, too deeply, Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess. um, I've been playing a bit of Tumbleseed on the Switch. I don't know if you guys have tried this yet. Oh, yeah. This is that crazy... uh, It's like based on those old physical games where you have a marble on two little metal rods and you're just leaning it back and forth trying to put it into a hole, right? Yeah, it's it's based on a game called um, Ice Cold Beer. Which is called right. which is a very occult uh, game. There's nothing else like it over it. And yeah, you have a, a bar that's going across the table, a vertical table, and you re- can raise each side with joysticks, and uh, the marble kind of tilts. Uh, so that's how you go. You have to go left and right by going up and down almost, and you have to avoid many most of the holes and go in the lit up ones. Uh, Tumble Seed extends this onto the Switch uh, with a whole lot of extra stuff you can uh, get crystals and put down you know uh, flags for your checkpoints or get weapons to attack other things there's there's things to avoid besides the holes and i'm i'm really trying to get into it but i feel like it's just um a little bit too hard for its own good uh the yeah, people the, were saying it's like it's like the the dark souls of <laughs> Of uh, dexterity marble games, <laughs> if, if, yes. Of, of all those games, it's definitely the hardest. Um, <laughs> but it's it's uh, the the controls were maybe a little too sluggish, or I don't know, because you'll you'll end up tilting too far to one side, and then when you go try and go back, by that time you've you've slid you know a few like half the screen to the right, and you probably bumped into something, and it, so it requires a lot of really fine control. And um, I keep failing at it and yet i keep coming back to try it uh, the last time i felt like this was um with uh spelunky which is mm. a, a great very difficult uh generated platform game and i've only beaten that game like uh, twice uh, but i've played it thousands of times and i feel like uh, tumbleseed might be another one of those if i can if i can just get over this hump and, and learn how to you know good lateral movement with just up and down on the sides then I feel like I'll really uh, get into it. That's high praise comparing it to Spelunky. I mean, that, that, that's a that's a major major game. Yeah, um, I don't want to go. I don't want to go that far yet because I might not get over that hump, and I might just, if just say forget it. I'm never playing this again. But there's uh, a there's actually a bar in L.A. I don't know, Christian, if you've ever been to it, but there's a bar in L.A. that has ice cold beer. And um, for a buddy of mine's bachelor party, we went. It was like one of those um, retro arcade places they have street fighter and nba jam and everything and they had ice cold beer and you know we played a bunch of the old stand-up arcade games from our youth that we loved but we kept coming back to ice cold beer this this very simple 
extraordinarily frustrating little dexterity game where you're moving these rods and trying to get the ball to go in the stupid hole. Oh, no, no, no. But it, I mean, I wonder if the fact that this is digital is even rougher because at least with a physical marble on physical rods and physical holes, you're not going to be like, screw you physics, you know, but with a digital well, version of it, you can. VR. I mean, some, I, I know a, a, there's a large number of people, uh, they don't live near me, but they really hate physics and other sciences. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Uh, but I mean, I, f- I feel like sometimes you can feel that a game is being, like you said, oh, it feels the controls are feel a little slidey and stuff. It's like even if it's a complete one to one perfect translation of what would happen in the real world, it it just because it's digital, you can go ah, this is not fair. I'm better than this. Yeah, you have a, you have a more intuitive sense of how the marble is going to move because it's a it's a real object and you've you've lived in the real world <laughs> yeah. uh, forever. It's it's kind of like uh, playing a pinball table versus uh, a digital pinball. Right. Uh, table where even if, even if they get the physics down, you know, perfectly, you still can't feel it under your hand. You can't shake it. And, uh, you don't, it's a little too, uh, pre-programmed in a way. You don't get those random vagaries of, uh, you know, hitting thing, hitting something in just the right way. Right. Uh, you can't, you can't model it at that level. And even, you know, just the, the physical, uh, gyro challenges in breath of the wild have me like wanting to throw my switch across the room. So I think, (laughs) I think tumble would pretty much be the worst game for me to play. (laughs) When I heard people talking about this game, like I'm ice cold beer, like the tabletop or arcade game. I I'd never seen it. I had, I don't know what bar that is, Jeff, but I haven't seen it. And people were comparing, it's like ice cold beer. And all my only frame of reference for that was like a baseball game was like, ice and I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, how, I had no, and I watched videos like, I don't see this at all. And then you Google ice cold beer and it's not, you know, usually the first page of results is like, you got to be like ice cold beer arcade. I was just like, it was like light and I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. They, they have, um, at Magfest, which is a local, uh, East coast, uh, arcade show, classic game show that they uh, have here. They always have ice cold beer tournaments and, uh, it always gathers, you know, people dozens and dozens deep, just, just try and crane their heads and, and get a look because it's, it's, uh, such a unique game and uh, yeah. that physical uh aspect to it really attracts people that might not be as interested in, in some of this other stuff so what else is on your playlist um it's funny i've been getting back into a uh, tetris for the nes of all things wow uh, are you playing it on an nes yes uh on uh it's actually on an analog uh, nt that i've been testing out Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, on an old uh, cathode ray tube monitor. I, I, so I was on YouTube and it, it recommended me some uh, tournaments that they do for the classic uh, NES Tetris. People still run tournaments on that version of the game because that's the one they remember, I guess. And these people have gotten really good. They can max out the score to uh, six nines now, Jeez. which ju- the first person to do that was just a few years ago. Uh, people have been getting better and better at the game. Uh, it's a uh, NES Tetris is kind of different because it has a uh, kill screen. When you get to uh, like 230 lines, I think it actually gets so fast that you cannot get the pieces all the way over to the left or right anymore. So you're you're pretty much dead in a few pieces. So uh, what that means is that you have to to max out your score. You have to get as many Tetrises as possible early on without getting, you know, those one line or two line clears. So you're you're really pushing – when you want to get a high score, you're really pushing the edge of that uh, risk-reward factor. You don't want to – you want to clear space, but you don't want to clear space because that lowers your maximum score. Uh, I love the fact that like 
in 87 or whenever this was when this came out. The designers were like, well, we don't have to worry about this because human beings will never be able to get deal with it when it's this fast. So I, yeah, cares? I have no idea if they even tested uh, to that point. I'd love to, <laughs> love to go back to the developers and say, did you really think people would be playing this to this level? And I'm guessing they would say no. Yeah. So I saw these people and they, they make it look so easy. They start at level 18, which is one of the higher, highest levels you can start on. And they're just getting Tetris after Tetris. And, you know, when you watch them, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That piece goes there. That piece goes there. You you, you think that you're willing them into position. But no, there's people controlling it there. You're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. It's like watching someone play a really high-level Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, yeah, they're just hitting. That's up, left. Okay, I know those. I, I know four directions. And yeah. then you try it and you're you can't do it. So I've been going back. It's 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 still just as zen and soothing as it was, you know, when I was in second grade playing it for the first time, you know, I'll put on a podcast and I'll I'll have Tetris going and I don't really have to uh uh engage that part of my mind that processes language and I can just sit <laughs> out and and uh listen to a good story and uh try and uh, beat my high score and I'm, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not ready for tournaments yet, but uh <laughs> it's it's just really relaxing. My my position is Tetris is objectively the greatest video game ever made. It's hard to argue. It's yeah. uh, I don't know what you could put against it that's as instantly accessible to as many people. In a hundred years, people will still be playing Tetris and they'll be still be playing it the exact same way it was always played. It's not There's not going to be a new version of Zelda that, you know, it's, it's, it's Tetris is Tetris and it's the, one of the greatest things ever created. Yeah. Well, they do keep uh, tweaking Tetris. Some of the, some of the later versions, I don't know if you've seen a Tetris, the grandmaster, mm. uh, which they've, they've shown off on uh, some of the, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick uh, runs. It's an arcade version that was uh, only made in Japan where people apparently get very serious uh, about their Tetris. And uh, it has a mode where uh, called the Grandmaster mode where you have to get uh, 999 lines. And that's just like the first step at, at, high, at the highest speed where, where you know, blocks are literally uh, hitting the bottom in one pixel. And then you have to kind of just slide them over. Uh, and then uh, things get invisible. You right. cannot see. You can't see the blocks in the bottom anymore. You just have to remember where everything is, where, and uh, and then uh, the credits start rolling over top of that too, just to get in your way. And, um, and somebody and jingles his keys in your yeah, face. Your friend comes out and starts punching you in the crotch. Credit card swipes <laughs> your bottom. They release some hounds to chase you. They yeah. they, they, they suck all the oxygen out of the room. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets insane. You should find some of the streams of people playing this, and so. Uh, yeah, Tetris is, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to vary it and make it, uh, insane. I love that the first two games that you mentioned on your pl playlist are literally things that drive people insane. It's, yeah, uh, what, can I, what can I say? That's, uh, <laughs> it's my aesthetic, I guess. I love it. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Um, I could, I could mention, I've been, you know, tinkering with Mario Kart 8, uh, Deluxe uh, yeah. a little bit, just, just getting back. Uh, I played it on the Wii U and, you know, it's just an excuse, 200cc mode, uh, I never really uh, mastered it on the Wii U, but then if I can just play it in bed and try keep trying again and again, uh, it's it's weird having to use uh, the brakes mm -hmm. in Mario Kart Eight. Uh, that's something that you really need to get used to in, in 200cc mode, and it's a nice change of pace. It make it brings back like uh, the challenge that I, I felt when Mario Kart was new, I think. And um, I've been playing a uh, Swap Sword on uh, iOS. Mm. It's a little uh, match three game. But it's it's a little more in depth than that. You have you you're matching things to get uh, armor or coins or uh, magical spell abilities, and you also have a little character on the screen that you can you can move instead of moving 
the rest of the screen. And you have to get him to the door that you open up with keys on each level. Uh, you also have to avoid the enemies that are moving towards you every turn. And you can match the enemies up to destroy them. If you match three in a row of them, they just go away. Or if they're standing right next to you, you can move through them and kind of slash them. Uh, so that was a weird overwrought description of... <laughs> no, it uh, looks cool. It's, I, it's the first time I've heard of it, so I just kind of Googled it. And it's like Bejeweled mixed with uh, turn-based Zelda. Really. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It's it's cool. It's got a cool like 16-bit aesthetic. Uh, yeah, it's it, if you like... Uh, if you if you like match three games, but you want something a little bit more uh, than Candy Crush, uh, I definitely recommend it. It's called Swap Sword. That's right. Uh, let's talk about Prey. You've been playing Prey as well, right? You just you just starting to dig into that. Yeah, I've got um, into Prey. I, I'm liking it. I feel like the combat is actually my least favorite part Same. of the game. It's a uh, I feel like I'm underpowered. All the time, uh, which is nice. It, it increases the tension, but more than that, when I feel like it's hard to feel when you've gotten in a good hit on the enemies or when you're getting hit, they they the interface really doesn't make that impact mm-hmm. enough for me. So it's, it's what are it you, feels what are you kind playing of on, Kyle? I'm playing it on the PC. Okay, good, and, yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, you know, and also you know, I worry about my ammo constantly, and if but I don't want to go in with a wrench because that's just like you you instantly get hit as soon yeah. as you get close to these things. It's it's like the opposite of um, Doom from uh, the same same studio or right. the same uh, publisher, I guess, where you know you felt like a super badass and you could really master everything and you, you were just running around the room and you could avoid everything and uh, really just playing planning out your next few seconds where where's the alley that you can get through where's the safety and in prey there's just like you see an enemy and you're like oh crap i I know i'm gonna take damage here i just it's uh doom is so so good you made me want to go play some more it's so good what about so good (laughs) but you know i love i love prey for the the environmental storytelling and the atmosphere but it's just the the uh, baseline game loop interactions really yeah uh didn't wow me I did a whole thing on my my other gaming show on my on Anchor, uh, newest latest best. I, I talked about um, the idea that that I think Prey would be so much better if uh, somebody sent in a uh, uh, voicemail to the show and, and talked about if it was if it was Prey Home Alone edition. If you were just like trying instead of having guns at all or or in, feeling the need to take down these enemies and in the ways that the game seems obliged to have because it's in the first person perspective that if you, if it really was just about that environmental storytelling and exploration and all that stuff is so fun and, and like figuring out how to get through locked areas or, you know, discovering the code to get into a safe, all of that stuff I'm completely hooked on. And every time, you know, every 15 seconds in the game feels it's this weird uh, ADD need to give me something to smack uh, like just take a breath game and just let me handle things in a, in a more interesting way. I think the goo cannon, it, this, this weapon that you get in the game that lets you, you know, it, you know, freeze stuff in place by shooting them with this goo stuff, or, you know, you can actually use it to traverse levels too. You can create little platforms out of it. It's a brilliant idea, but it is, I think, completely marginalized by the fact that 
ultimately, even when you goo them, they come ungooed. And I could listen to you say goo all day. This so you know, like this eloquent description of like the environment. You're like in the, in the problems and the puzzles, and it's just so much fun. And in the goo cannon, it's, got, it's a goo cannon. It's got a lot of goo. Um, I, I'm I'm very very frustrated by how much awesome is trapped underneath a, a a level of tedium that that only feels like it's there because they made a first person game. It's you like, got to break oh, the goo off. Someone put yeah. goo over the game, and that's where that's where the good yeah, stuff. Really, all stall into the goo. <laughs> so I've read that if you uh, lower it down to easy mode, that it's actually much more uh, tolerable. You can just kind of blaze through some Maybe. of the encounters. So, but I, that's I how I feel, played. I gave up. I always feel weird doing that. Like, oh, I'm yeah, giving, I, I should. I should. I'm, I'm a hardcore gamer. I should be able to do this on extreme mode, but. I'm I'm not normal now, and I might just go down to easy because yeah. I don't want... The problem is they call it normal. You know, it's like <laughs> this is normal. I'm like, well, I don't I want to be below normal. Yeah, I'm not subnormal over here. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, when they were making Ninja Masters and Zero came out, no one had a problem being Sub Zero, and that he, was a like, real. Str- we went so far <laughs> to get there, Christian. That was so far. I could tell what was coming. I just yeah, thank you. Avoid it. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, um, I think different games are different, though, and that, that's interesting about difficulty, right? Where Halo came out with this idea of this is how we meant you, like 343 or Bungie at the time. Uh, this is how the game was intended to be played, heroic or whatever difficulty it is. But then to Kyle's point of Doom, where I think I did my first playthrough on normal, but then I, I, I played it on hard. And while I never beat the game that way, it was like, oh, yeah, now now here's a symphony. Like, this is just a symphony of destruction, and you see how the game um bends itself to be super enjoyable that way but then something like prey or um i'm trying to i think even like uncharted 3 which has a mess of combat toward the back half of the game like playing that game on easy perfect absolutely perfect it's just like but we have in our head like normal is normal is normal but not every game's normal is the best way to play the game i would love to see like uncharted 3 if they update it and it's like easy how the game was meant to be played (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're always you're always looking to be on that edge of uh, not too easy and not too hard. Um, uh, yeah. Raf Koster has a, a book, uh, The Theory of Fun for Game Design, that really dives deep into uh, where you, you you just want to ride that edge between challenging, so there's it's it's engaging you, but if it's if it goes too far over that line, then you're just you're just stuck, and if it goes too far below that line, then you're like playing with a baby's toy, and it's a very a very small window for truly engaging gameplay. And it's not constant across all people, right? I mean, no, that's the problem. There's a heck of a lot of people who are like, "No, prey is awesome because I, you know, I'm having to deal with these enemies all the time." And I'm just like, "Oof, I don't. It's not fun for me. I don't like the idea." You know, people are like, "Oh, you can, you know, you can grab a turret and bring it with you and set it down." It's like, well, that, that just sounds like tedium. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't feel smart because I figured out that I can bring a turret with me. I, I don't know. I, I want. You know, there's a sequence in the game where you like go into zero G for the first time and you have to go down this long corridor yeah. uh, in zero G in order to get to a previously unreachable part of the space station. And it's awesome. It's like, oh, I'm in zero G and I, you know, I've earned it. I had to upgrade my suit in order to get here and I'm going through it. And, and then it's like, oh, no, there's new enemies in here that'll just kill you. And it's like, why? 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 That's not – there's nothing fun about that. I didn't want – I'm like floating through zero-g gloriously enjoying the environment. You have to ruin it by putting this stupid thing that I now have to – I don't know. It's stupid. It would be cool if there was like old Doom style. You could just um, enter enter a code in the terminal and then be god mode and just explore <laughs> because yeah. – or, or even clip through the walls because that's, that's really all I want to do at this point in the game is just see 
the rest of the space station and hear the story. And it's not like I don't want challenge or enemies in my games. I enjoy games that have them, but I guess yeah, just the, yeah, the, the way you deal with the enemies that the inherent combat loop, I just find to be not very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Christian, what's on? something fun? Yeah. I was just going to say what's on your, your... Oh man, Forza Horizon 3, the Hot Wheels DLC expansion came out. Nine out of ten times, I will tell you, never buy a season pass. Forza Horizon 3, if you have the game and don't have either expansion, Blizzard Mountain, or Hot Wheels, buy the season pass, save those couple of bucks. This thing is incredible. I, I wish I was playing it right now. I love doing this show, but I I wish I was playing it right now. Jeff, do you remember way back when, when we did the, the video, Newest, Latest, Best, and we unboxed your Xbox One? Yeah. And you remember how awesome it was when we opened it up, you plug it in, and it immediately starts with like this cool kind of like hype video? Yeah. Man, Playground Games, the people behind the Forza Horizon series, both Blizzard Mountain and now with the Hot Wheels thing, you, you load up this expansion right when you boot into it. It starts with the most epic race and was just like paired to perfect music, and you're just blitzing around on this realistic you know, life-sized Hot Wheels track suspended over islands with, like, a beautiful sunset beach vista in the background, and you're just rip-roaring around, and the track, it looks like how you would expect a Hot Wheels track to do. It's like, you know, that neon orange. It's got loop-de-loops? It's got loop-de-loops. It's got the, like, the zoom pads that you hit to give you, you know, like, where the, it's like, and it looks... It looks at like the toys, but life-sized and, and real, like how it would need to look to actually accelerate a car. Um, do they like look the, like they're made out of plastic, or do they look like they're made – like they were magically, you know, like the Indian in the cupboard style turned into a real – a real boy? No, it, it looks it looks like it's this plastic track, but it has a weight behind it that you could imagine it supporting, you know, real cars. Like the art direction or the subtle changes they made to these things to make it look – like it could exist in the real world, quote unquote, um, but still be totally representative of this iconic toy line is amazing. It is that first race, that first experience, and you hit these huge jumps and it does like the, you know, you've seen it a million times in Red Bull uh, videos or GoPro videos where it's like goes into, it's like, goes into slow motion for a little bit. And then you land and you get right back onto a launch pad. You just keep rip roaring through. It's so it's so good. Uh, my question, or I think, Kyle, maybe you can talk about this some, but I think it's interesting now that Forza Horizon 3 is doing loops, and man, God bless that engine to be able to handle this, and who who knew? Who knew? Um, but I think it's interesting, because I love the courses in Mario Kart 8, and I think they're brilliantly designed, I think they're tons of fun to play, but as you play them... Oftentimes, it feels like you're on flat ground, even though if you look at the course, it's there's quite a few loops. You're kind of going vertical, you know, when your wheels turn to be magnetic or whatever. And I feel like with Forza Horizon 3, when you're on a loop, it feels more like you're driving upside down or like you're leaning sideways. And I think it's interesting comparing the balance of how you convey, oh, crap, you're upside down or oh, crap, you're 90 degree angle, but then also still being able to steer and control yourself. Am, do you feel that way in Mario Kart, or am I alone yeah. in that? No, I, I see what you're saying. I think uh, when you're hovering, uh, I think the problem is, or maybe not as a problem, but uh, the camera really follows the track with you. So uh, if the track is, is twisting, the camera twists in exactly uh, the same time. So it that it makes it feel flat. You 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 see the ground is the ground. Even if you you're even if uh, if from a third person view you would see yourself going upside down. 
and I think that's good for being making the game comprehensible and controllable. But um, I would guess in Forza Horizon Three, and I'd, I'd have to look at the the video a little bit. I haven't played it in a little bit. Uh, I, I'm guessing the camera maybe has a little bit of lag to it, so that when you're on a loop, uh, the camera is is still where you were, uh, you know, half a second ago. So that makes it apparent that you're changing uh, angle or uh, tilt. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just that little bit, and it's it's prevalent on no matter what, um, if you're inside the car, on the hood, or, or on a trail camera. And to me, the way it makes it feel like you're on an actual roller coaster, like there's that momentum of like, here we go, and then you start going, and then your body catches up with you, and you're like, we're going! Yeah, I feel it, like a, a Trackmania is another game that I feel yeah. like did that really well with the, the course design is, is like, uh, the user-made courses have become literal roller coasters. Some of them you just, you just hold the up... Uh, key and and go through the course uh, in the craziest ways possible and but the way the camera works with that too it really makes you feel like uh, you know when you're riding on a wall you won't fall off that wall but it, it feels like you're 90 degrees to the ground yeah it this it, it's i mean it's the same game jeff it's not gonna it's still not burnout not there's burn no out. crash mode mm. but it's this environment is beautiful how <laughs> much how much uh do i have to pay for a dlc that's called forza horizon 3 burnout <laughs> well, it's whatever it is, $15, and it's that crash mode minigame that, hof- that hopefully is good from that other developer, right? Yeah, yeah. This Forza Horizon 3, I will say right now, to me, is uh, my favorite racing game ever made. And these two DLC expansions are just, just lights out. It's it's incredible. If you if you maybe skip Blizzard Mountain and you have the game and, and you enjoyed the game, give this thing a try. It is it is phenomenal, and the creativity put into these courses and being able to take uh, cars that have slipperier tires and just kind of you know drift around between it, or you can go you know put some race tires on and just be glued to the track as you do a loop or a corkscrew and come off this huge jump. It's it's stunning. It's absolutely amazing and well worth the the price of the twenty bucks cost of entry or whatever it is. I wanted to uh, highlight a comment here in the chat room after we moved off of the Prey discussion. Could 432 uh, wrote that he's been playing Prey on hard, and he said the enemy Ooh. encounters are occasionally fun, but they are mostly tedious. He says, most of my time is spent just carrying turrets from place to place. And, you know, good, I respect him for me. doing that, but... Uh, you, you earned that achievement. Yeah. Most of my time was spent putting the disc back in the envelope and sending it back to Gamefly. Oh. <laughs> and then playing Forza Horizon 3 Hot Wheels. <laughs> yeah, ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I think. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, I don't know. My, my biggest problem, guys, is that I have I have a legitimate addiction to Heroes of the Storm. I mean, I'm legitimately thought addicted to it. into an ad read. I thought I was going to be like, no. That's what I thought. my armpit stink. <laughs> you know, my problem armpit is, air. I can't my mattress isn't comfortable. Yeah, I can't get a good night's sleep. <laughs> it does sound like something I would do. But in this case, uh, I mean, I don't, nobody wants to hear me talk about Heroes of the Storm. But no, I, I do. I, I, le- I want to hear your two-point addiction. I legitimately, every time I start, I, I like sit down and play Prey for an hour and I'm like, I'm going to power through this game. I'm going to finish it. I want to see what the story, how it wraps up. And then I'm like, ah, I want to play Heroes of the Storm. I just, that's all I want to do. And the 2.0 uh, update is, is, is so good. And there's always something to give me uh, a little pleasure center tickle. You know, there's always a little loot box to unlock or some bit of thing. There's no, 
wasted time. You're not ever unrewarded for the moments you spend in it. As frustrated as I get for losses in ranked with which is a very, you know, fresh <laughs> user base now of people who don't understand how to It's play all games. it's all us annoying Overwatch nerds cuz th- there's ads is, all the time that are like, "Hey, play this other game you don't really care about, but you'll get sweet stuff for the game you do." And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot of people like that. I don't know why those people have to ju- go play ranked mode. But uh, and they're always on your team. Always on my team. You don't see those ads? It was play with Jeff Kanata. You get an extra loot box. <laughs> but I want to – okay. So I want to highlight one specific thing that – you know, I talk about this a lot I guess. But this morning before I played because I have an addiction. I literally – like if I have a half an hour available, I'm like I can get a game in. I know I can get a game in. So this morning I played a match and um, I played ranked and it. I ended up having to be the healer, right? Which is never good. I mean, it's not terrible. I'm I'm a really good healer, but uh, you'd have much smaller effect on the outcome of the game as the healer. Uh, you can't really carry as well. So I try not to be the healer because I want to affect my team in a in a more significant way. But I ended up playing a, a character named Brightwing, who is this little dragon, and one of her abilities is polymorph. You can turn a character into a sheep for a couple of seconds. It's very powerful. And uh Diablo sheep? Uh sure. Warcraft. Sure. It's, it's a Warcraft character. Is Warcraft sheep? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And the other team has a character named ETC, the uh what is it? Extreme Torrent Chieftain. Uh and he uh he's he's this like rock and roll character. He's a it's actually a, a comedy character that Blizzard made up uh, at BlizzCon one year and he he plays rock and roll. He's like that's his thing. And one of his super moves, one of his ultimate abilities is he does this thing called Mosh Pit where he starts playing music and anybody caught in this wide radius is stunned and dances to his music for a full 4 seconds. It's very powerful. It's one of the most powerful ults in the game. And it often results if, – if a player can pull it off and do it right, it often results in a, a lot of kills because everybody is stunned and your your team can just wail on all the people that are caught in that mosh pit. So we were playing a game this morning and my team was just owning and uh, we were really r- rolling them. But this ETC character on the other team really thought he was going to turn the tide with his mosh pit. And when you start playing – when you start activating mosh pit, there's like a, a – the sound of the band warming up. It's like, tick, 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 bang, you know? <laughs> so you kind of get a little bit of a warning. So he like slides in, he power slides into our group of our team and he starts up his thing. And I, because I know the game and I know that's what his ability is. I've been waiting for him to do that. Christian, I've been waiting for that moment. And I've been making sure that my polymorph ability is off of cooldown and not using it until after he uses his alt. Because the second he slid into our team and stroke striked up his band, I polymorphed him and he got deleted immediately. And that is one of the greatest experiences, one of the greatest feelings to know that another human being on another computer somewhere else in the world thought they were going to be awesome. And you absolutely denied them based on your knowledge of what they were going to do. You knew they were, you knew that they, that is exactly the plan that they had and you knew exactly how to circumvent it. And your skill trumped their skill because you pulled off that move in the exact, like half of a second moment that you had to, in order to do that. And it is exactly why I'm addicted to these games. 
because there's nothing like that in a single player game. So I've had I've had a similar level of addiction for months now to uh, Hearthstone, which another Blizzard uh, property. So I guess they really uh, know what they're doing with this. But I finally broke it. I finally deleted it from my iPad. Oh, to make room for other stuff because I I played a month of the new expansion and I really liked it. And I found the same way as you. I'd like, oh, I want to try out these new games. I want to you know be conversant about what's what's going on in the world and instead or in the world of games. And instead, I end up playing Hearthstone for you know. I'll play three games over an hour or whatever. And uh, I feel like it was getting in the way of me being uh, well-rounded enough to, uh, you know, know what's going on. So uh, I've deleted it. uh, Haven't looked back, uh, but uh, I still watch people on YouTube playing (laughs) uh, is my way of of kind of my methadone to get off of uh, the Hearthstone (laughs) addiction. Because these these players... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because you still get the same kind of thrill of, of watching them play you have a rooting interest it's it's almost like uh watching watching sports rather than uh, playing them i yeah. guess uh, when you're you plus it they always condense down you know they have the best moments the best games and they cut out a lot of the uh wasted time when you're waiting that for the, the opponent has like a minute and a half to take their turn and where we literally can't do anything yeah uh so you know you either have a tv show on in the background but uh or something but on youtube they I'll often just uh, cut that down so you really get a game in less of the time. Um, so, so what you're saying is you know, I have to delete the game. That's the only way I'll I can probably, do it. You know, I'll probably go back when the next expansion comes out, but I'm trying not to... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to limit my exposure. I still have it on my PC, so if I want to play there, but when it's on your iPad, it's really just always yeah. accessible, and that's the dangerous part. Uh, Joe Blank in the chat room said, in Overwatch, I blocked a Roadhog hook with a May ice wall. Felt exactly the same way you're describing, Jeff. So, nice. yeah, those 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 things. It only it, it only feels awesome in my opinion because it's another human being on the other end of it. <laughs> it really does. All right. If only there was like a we- if only there was like a webcam, you could get their reaction. Oh, I know. Was weren't they like talking about that in the old days with um when you know Xbox had you know first came out with their webcam it was like. You're going to have these crazy reactions when you take down somebody or do something in a video game. There's going to be like a snapshot. Was there a game that did – was there Burnout that did that? Uh, Burnout did that. Uh, yeah, it would capture off of the Xbox Live. Yeah. Like, when you did yeah. a takedown, it would. you got like a two-second little video of somebody going – That oh! went south quick because anyway. people are garbage. People and mainly, I, mainly I remember seeing a lot of uh, shirtless people when I was playing yeah. Uno. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not good. Yeah. All right, we're uh, we're running long. Let's get. Uh, I want to talk a little VR, just real quick. So let's get to some VR talk. Now, based on your discussion, Kyle, of uh, Tumble Seed and Tetris, uh, I suspect that. I, I see here that both of us have been paying, playing Polybius on PlayStation VR. I suspect you're going to like it more than I did. Uh, uh, I've, I've, I need to play it a little more. I've played it uh, just for a few sessions so far, and I really don't know what's going on. Uh, there's <laughs> yeah, just, that's a, actually there's just best, so much filling up that stage. Oh, my goodness. It's I so this is the Jeff Minter game, the guy who did Space Draft yes. and Tempest 2000. This is you know, this dude has a history of psychedelic, insane, crazy high speed games, and this is yeah. that, but in VR. 
Yeah, and playing in VR is it's it's really an overwhelming experience. The the colors flying at you. It's like the being in that last scene of 2001 uh, Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh for in real life uh, just the 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 amount of crap going on on screen and you can kind of manage it because everything uh explodes, you know, periodically. Um I don't know, there's it you, so you're you're going down a track straight ahead and you're you hold down a button to shoot a constant stream of bullets. So yeah. anything in front of you is going to be dead in one shot very quickly. But there's also this subtle little path that you're trying to go through uh, gates, kind of like sl- small slalom gates. Yeah, and yeah. When, and when you go through enough of them in a row, it sets off these huge uh, explosions that clear everything. But I, I was never really clear if the strategy is really just to focus on those or if I should ignore those and go just shoot things. Well, the problem is if you watch, you know, slalom skiing in the Olympics or something, and the whole goal is to go between the the gates, right? Then that's the idea here as well. There's these two little you know, um, what's the word? Little poles like you would have in a, in a slalom course. But the difference is when a skier goes over those poles and runs into one of them, the pole like bends down and you know, they live. (laughs) This is a, this is a problem in this game. Yeah. If you, if you're just slightly off, then you stop in your tracks and you've been going super fast and the speed is constantly increasing unless you hit one of these poles and then you go to zero immediately. And I can't express to you how fast, fast you end up going in this game it's oh my goodness. face melting and then you're trying you're trying so hard to just thread the needle between these two little gates and and, and then you smack into them and it is so uh, jarring uh <laughs> then some but then sometimes you'll have an item that lets you run into the gate just go through the gates right but i'm never really clear when i have that item because there's just so much stuff going on uh, that you know these pills fly at you and they give you like bonus uh, bonus uh uh, five points, or maybe you'll have a shield or something, but I can never really tell right. what I have, what's happening. I have no time to read whatever messages it's showing oh, me. because this game a, hates it, blinking. It hates it. <laughs> a, if I look away for a second to just, like, see what's my score, what is what item did I get? Nope, you will die yes. immediately. You will not, you'll be, you'll miss something. And, and it keeps layering on more insanity because at a certain point not only are you barreling at breakneck speed down this track the track itself becomes bizarre you can rotate uh, all the way around something in 360 or it'll sort of bend and twist and then you're like going underneath it and upside down it is it is a mind trip man but i think if i think the game was Dialed down to like eighty <laughs> percent yeah. might be an instant instant classic. Well, Otherwise, I mean, but I love you know I love Res in VR. Uh, I actually after I stopped playing um, Polybius, I booted up Res again and went and just played the Area X again. It's mm-hmm. it's truly the most gorgeous experience I've ever had playing a video game. It is uh, that that level is so glorious. But I love that. I love Thumper. You know, like the, the mm-hmm. extreme speed, cool VR experiences. I'm not a adverse to them but this is it's like on another level and it it is because it's got this kind of throwback arcade 80s look to it that everything feels much more strobe strobe strobifying and 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 difficult to focus on and assaulting it is uh intense (laughs) it's a good word for it yeah it's assault an assault to the senses yeah um, I've heard a lot of people talk about Static on PSVR, the Institute yes. of Retention. Um, are you enjoying that game? 
I've, I've enjoyed that game. I, I finished it in a single setting uh, nice. this weekend when uh, I had the house to myself. Uh, and it only took like uh, two to three hours, but uh, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. One of the must-try things in VR, I feel. Oh, um, this, you So you're holding the PlayStation controller, but uh, in VR, your hands are locked in a box. So you can't see uh, your hands. You can't actually interact with anything. You're, just, it's, you're inside this puzzle box. And uh, through throughout the game, you realize that... Um, Hitting the buttons, uh, the shoulder buttons, the D-pad, the face buttons, or the analog sticks do various things on this puzzle box. And uh, you're basically guessing, checking your way around to figure out what's what activates what. You'll have to, and you'll have to do things in a certain order. Um, you, you have to tilt the controller to see the right side of the box or the left side of the box or the top. There might be things hidden on there, little activators. And uh, once you activate something, maybe something else will open up and show you another hidden layer. Uh, you have to look around the room for environmental clues to what's going on in the box. And the game really doesn't hold your hand at all. It doesn't tell you anything. You just have to try everything out and, and see, oh, maybe if I do it in this order, uh, this will open up. Uh, you know, or, or this little widget doesn't seem to do anything yet. Maybe I have to look at the other, the uh, opposite side of the box and use the face buttons. And uh, it, it really activates uh, this part of your brain that's... Uh, uh, for me, it's that 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 puzzle solving, uh, just really really tickles uh, part of my uh, intellect that I, I really like. And there's also this uh, really creepy vibe to all of it. You're inside uh, you're inside a testing lab, but you're told nothing about it. But there's the one person with you, and you whenever you look at him, his face is scrambled like he's on an episode of Cops. Yeah. But he's sitting in the room with you, and he's saying uh, these very disturbing things about uh, his ex and about uh, what's going on. And he, he treats you like a machine and he treats the machines like people. And uh, he's, he's just going through the tests totally emotionless. And it's very chilling when you're locked there. It's, it's a uh, kind of a horror experience, but not the kind of, you know, jump scare mm. uh, type thing where they, it's really cheap. It's, it's just genuinely chilling. How did I get here? What is going on? How can I, is there any escape? And uh, the conclusion is very, uh, interesting in that respect as well so awesome um yeah to take two to three hours and, and find out what uh, vr is all about i'm i'm into that game i've heard some several people have uh, recommended it so i'm going to check it out static institute of retention all right let's move on to now to some quick questions quick 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 questions this week. All of the people that submitted quick questions that we are going to answer uh, are getting a copy of episode one. I think of... it's the full game. Oh, is it the entire game? I'm pretty sure it's the entire game. The full game's not out yet, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. We got codes uh, for these four lucky folks. If you want uh, – we got more codes too. We got We got codes on top of codes. So quick questions. If you want to submit your quick question and maybe get a free game – you can submit them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them in our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There's a sticky thread there as well. Uh, the first quick question comes from James P. He says, quick question. When you're playing a role-playing game with a skill tree, do you look ahead and see what you need to get to get those sweet ultimate abilities? Or do you just put the points where you need them at the time that you get them? Kyle, how do you do it? I think you have to look ahead. You want to know where you're going uh since there's uh, so many prerequisites for some of the best things you get but uh, what i really like are games that just let you reshuffle 
mm. uh, at any time. You have 10 points and, oh, you're tired of being, you know, this action guy. You, you put them all into stealth for a while and you try that out. I don't like being locked in uh, for, you know, the entirety of my, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of hours by a decision I make early on. I want to experiment. I want to try everything out and see what fits. Yeah, I, I like that as well. And too few games allow you that kind of flexibility. Um, one of the things I'm doing, especially with Prey right now, the one of the ways that I tend to do it is, which I guess probably says a lot about my personality, I'll get um, uh, several points banked up and just hold on to them and wait until I get into a situation where I'm having a problem and then try to realize how to best deal with that problem based on how I can spend those points. So if, you know, I get, I walk into a corridor and there's like a, a giant box that's blocking my way and I want really want to get past it. I'm like, okay, well I'll spend those points on being able to lift stuff. Or if there's a boss that's giving me a hard time and I'm like, oh, man, you know, what would be awesome for this boss is this power. I have those banked up. So I almost like have this weird deny myself, you know, pleasure by not leveling up immediately. Uh, and I don't think that's good, but I tend to do it because I hate getting in those situations where it's like, Oh, if I could just upload, uh, uh, upgrade this one talent, I would have such an easier time right now. Hmm. Hey Jeff, quick question. Why are you still playing prey? Cause I want to get to the end of it. Do you, okay. you always I mean, make fun want... of me about not finishing games. Just watch the end. I don't want to watch the end. Okay. I was just asking, I've, two weeks you've complained about the game, and I'm curious why you're still playing it as well. It's, it's not bad. It's just, the, I guess I sound like I'm complaining because the stuff that gets in the way of all the stuff I like about it is annoying, and I complain about that. Great. So it's good enough to keep playing over other games that are uh, not also over, out. Here's the storm. <laughs> uh, I look ahead. And the answer to this quick question, I look ahead and I also like Kyle, like it when you're allowed to respect, but in my, my personality quirk is I, I actually prefer when there's a slight penalty to respect. I don't like just like respect willy nilly. Cause I like, you know, commit to something. You're going to go to law school, graduate, then practice, then quit, then become an attorney, but you got to get punished. Then become a comedian. Oh, a, a comedian. Sorry. Thank you. You got to be punished for making that wrong life decision for several years, just a little bit, but I do. I like, like. A modest, a <laughs> like modest a punishment. Score. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. You can, sure, you can respect all your spell points, but we're going to affect your credit score. <laughs> it costs like half a spell point or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, quick question. This comes from Josh Wiener. He says, uh, which of the 3D platform character characters is your favorite as a kid? Mine was always Spyro because, come on, dragons. Plus, he had a bit of an attitude. Back when we had 3D platformer mascots, what was your favorite, Kyle? Uh, when I was a kid, it had to be the R-Wing from uh, Star Fox, because that was the only 3D game when I was actually a child. <laughs> uh, no, it's a... I mean, yeah, I was a kid in the 2D era, so I'm being kind of nitpicky here. But uh, I've always been a Mario guy. He's just... It's just the Mickey Mouse of, of video games. You know, I had a, had a website, Super Mario Brothers Headquarters, back in uh, 1997, when... Uh, my mom got me uh, HTML uh, for dummies or learn HTML in 14 days or something. And that's that kind of got me where I am today in life uh, nice. 20 years Tell later. Tell me you still have that URL. SMBHQ.com. It's still up there. I haven't, nice. uh, I wasn't, I haven't actively managed it for over a decade now. But all you can see my really embarrassing uh, 14-year-old writing still there. Nice. I started reviewing uh, video games at 14 as well. I there was uh, writing for the newspaper. Yeah. 
we're uh, we we knew what we were getting into. I like That's the way right. Kyle says he's old, and then Jeff, you one up him with your oldness. When that when you were that age, you were writing for the newspaper. Newspapers. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What's a newspaper? Print uh, they print the news on trees. Yeah, it was, yeah, ridiculous. Christian, uh, uh, favorite platformer mascot? Yeah, I mean. As the hipster kid I was even then, I, I loved seeing Yoshi in 3D for the first time. It, it just it blew me away. Uh, I know he's not the proper mascot. He's never had a, a 3D platforming game. But of like any character when I was a kid to see in 3D, that was it. And if this counts, then it's 100% my answer. It's Tony Hawk. If I can count Tony Hawk's pro skater as a platformer, <laughs> it's a, 100% Tony Hawk. He's a, he's a mascot, that Tony Hawk? Yes, he totally was a mascot. Did All you right. see that? Did you see that tweet from Tony Hawk recently, where um, he was in a security line and someone looked at his ID and he said, "Hey, Tony Hawk, like the skater. I wonder that, what he's doing now." And, and Tony Hawk amazing. was like, "Yeah, that this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on an airplane, standing here wasting my time with you." That's <laughs> so, so yeah, he's kind of his own mascot. He's wow. definitely a mascot. Yeah, I don't know if that counts, but that's my answer. That's he's the mascot good. of skating. I think any answer that's not bonk is wrong, guys. It's bonk, bonk in 3D. <laughs> no, uh, I guess there's a, oh yeah, there's 3D platformer characters. There's, there, he was specific about that, but I love uh, Bonk. No, I don't think it's Bonk. I mean, I, I was being facetious about Bonk. I do love Bonk. That's TurboGrafx-16 character. Um, 3D platformer characters. I kind of overlooked the 3D part. I didn't even. I mean, think it's, about got, that. it's like uh, yeah, Banjo. Yeah. Sonic, Mario. Spyro, I mean, Sonic was great Gex, until he went 3D. Gex, Crash. <laughs> yeah. Um. Does Lara Croft count, I guess, kind of? Sure. Um, no, I guess, you know, it's Mario. It's always Mario, sadly. But yeah, it's true. He's, as you said, Mickey Mouse of... Uh, he's really the only one that's endured as a mascot, too. They're, they're, mascots have gone the way of the dodo, you know? They're, they well, don't... You, don't, you don't think Sonic is, has the pull he once did? <laughs> no. After, no. After so many no. awful, awful games. Did people even think of Sonic... When they think of Sega, I guess they still do, but... Uh, do people still think of Sega as... A... <laughs> do people think of Sega at all? Uh, they published Persona, right? Didn't they publish Persona? Anyway. Um, Atlas. Right. But didn't they own Atlas? Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Are they not? Quick question. Uh, <laughs> this is coming from Scooby Diesel 87 It is, what is that one feature slash thing that you want to see happen next in gaming? What is the next big thing? Some improvement to VR, the PC upgrading idea for consoles, actual crossplay. What do you think brings the next big boom to video games? That is several questions, uh, but I think the the last one is kind of the, the the point, the thesis. What do you think the next big boom to video games is, or what do you want to see happen next in gaming? Kyle, what do you think? Uh, Hardware-wise, I think we're going to see VR transition into uh, AR. It's going to be some augmented reality glasses that uh, can one be truly wireless and two don't block your view of the outside world it, be in some sort of uh, sunglasses type uh, form factor you put them on and you can see you know your messages and uh, your websites but also interactive experiences in front of you while you know you also are watching your kid uh, in front of you or, eat, or even eating dinner on the subway whatever you don't have to take your uh, life away as you do in VR. Don't eat uh, dinner on the subway. It's a bad idea. <laughs> that's just rude. Um, I don't know if that's the next big thing, and that I think it's going to be like five years at the very minimum till we see something that's consumer 
that really makes an impact with consumers on these. Uh, you know, Microsoft's doing its AR thing, but it's thousands of dollars and kind of wonky right now. So I think we're five to 10 years before that really becomes big. But uh, I think that will have a much more upside potential than uh, VR, where you have to uh, just shut everything out. Mr. Kanata? Uh, I think AR definitely is going to be a big thing. I don't think AR is going to be where gaming is is headed because I don't think I don't think I want to be playing a game in the real world. I think what what I want is I think what's going to happen is that AR goggles are going to also be VR goggles, and that I'll be able to transport myself into a completely new place seamlessly. With my AR goggles, so you know, sometimes I'll just want an overlay onto my real world, and other times I'll be in my room wanting to play a video game, and I want it all around me, and I want to feel like I'm in, you know, wherever. Yeah, I don't think it needs to uh, augment the real world, but it just it 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 can be on top of it without being integrated into it, if that makes sense. Instead of like looking down at your phone, you just have it right in front of you, and it's right. it could be just a floating, you know, little 3D game. It doesn't have to. You know, the the characters don't have to sit on your coffee table. Yeah. I mean, I think Scooby Diesel uh, in his question specifically points to the upgrading idea for consoles, the PC upgrading idea. I think that is what's happening right now. I think we're in the middle of that weird iterative console idea. I don't know if that's going to stick around, but uh, I – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I think in the short term, I think really – I honestly – and I know I'm a homer for this, but I really do think VR is going to – even before AR becomes a mass market thing, I think VR is going to be much more prominent than it is even now. I think people are going to realize that these kinds of experiences are really valuable. I think PlayStation VR is going to continue to sell well and there'll be other entrants into this and it's not going away. And and there are going to be some amazing experiences that convince people that it's the next thing. Uh, Do you know what mine is? I bet you can guess, Jeff. Yeah, I can. It's going to be games as a Netflix type service. Oh, buddy, streaming games somehow like that's that's what I want. I don't know how soon that is, but that's what I want, especially playing the Switch. I love picking it up, taking it with me. I love plopping it back into the dock and playing on my TV, and I would love 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 even more if I didn't have to worry about owning a game. I just had access to all my games. I don't have to worry about the Switch not being powerful enough to play Assassin's Creed Origins. I just know that this is my thing for playing all the things, and I can play all the things. I can take it with me and plug it in and play it on my big, you know, 200-inch wall or whatever it will end up being. That, to me, is is, is the next big thing I want. I don't think we'll see that anytime soon, but that's my, that's my future. Ooh, it sounds so good. Have you tried uh, PlayStation Now? I have, phone? and I, it's not there yet for me in terms PlayStation, of PlayStation. Not quite now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's PlayStation. Not quite fast enough. Um, and I, I think what Xbox is doing with their um, oh gosh, what is it called? It's not. I don't game. remember. I know what you're talking it's about. A really games domain. Name. It's like games through streaming or something. Yeah, it's, on, like on download them or something. Game Pass or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, Game Pass. So I, I think we're seeing it and people playing with the infrastructure I don't think is there to truly support, you know, that type of Gaikai on live PlayStation Now service. But that's what I want to see. I want to see that. And I want to be basically be able to play every single game. I want to be playing Forza Horizon 3 all the time on my Switch, right? Like on that, it feels good as a portable. I want to be sitting somewhere and be like, oh, I would love to get a race in and just be able to get a race in the same way I can be like, 
oh, I'm at the airport. I'm going to watch uh, another episode of, of Master of None, and I can just take out my phone and watch it like that. Is that the ideal way to watch it? No, of course, on your big TV at home, it's nicer, but I, I can. I can pull it up on my phone wherever I am and watch, and I want that for games. In the chat room, Jeff Fool says uh, his next big thing is a better dynamic narrative writing in the AI, somewhere hmm. between uh, Bethesda's Radiant AI and Shadow of Mordor's Nemesis system. You guys think that's likely? Uh, the way he described it, yes, I can see that, <laughs> that happening. Um, if truly, truly intelligent, something that could you know, like fool the Turing, Turing test, or really be believable, that's that's a long ways off. Yeah. Okay. Quick question. This comes from Sean Love. He says, "What's your favorite extreme sports game? For example, NFL Blitz." Yeah, that racing. one. Oh, sorry. And why is the only acceptable answer Bill Embiid's combat basketball in the Super Nintendo? Oh, no. <laughs> For the memes. <laughs> uh, Christian, how could you not talk about uh, Tony Hawk? Is this not – isn't that extreme sports? T- Tony Hawk is great, but Tony Hawk is not competitive in the way that NFL Blitz was in the college dorm and crap talking and punching and elbowing and, and having – huge tournaments for me i never got into like the tony hawk competitive score one up or horse scene i love 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 tony hawk but nfl blitz um i guess maybe they're separate extreme sports i would say tony hawk but for like arcade sports um it would be it would be nfl blitz it's so it's so good you guys that game's so good how bummed yeah. am i i'm so bummed that this nba playgrounds game sounds like it's bad because i really wanted it to be awesome Anyway. Well, the good news is the EA elect, uh, NBA Jam, which is pretty good, is backwards compatible or forward compatible on Xbox One, and that game's still great. Okay, cool. Uh, what's your answer to this, Kyle? Yeah, I'll go with NFL Blitz as well. It's uh, I, I can never really get into uh, Madden. It's just a, a little too slow and a little too uh, detail oriented. I've, I've I've played Madden with some people who are really into it, and they're calling audibles and, and knowing exactly how to read the defense, and they're they're like actual NFL coaches at that point, and I'm. I know football, but I'm not that into it. But NFL Blitz, you know, it's just the basic crazy, you know, in between plays, you're five seconds and you're to the next play and you're just throwing a ridiculous pass or jumping over people or spinning out of bounds. It's great. You just, you can get right into it. I'm uh, I'm not going to go with um, one of these suggestions. I, I, I interpreted this question as being extreme, any extreme sports. And there was like a period in the mid 2000s where, they were like doing all these, you know, when Tony Hawk was doing really well and they were like, let's make all of these extreme sports into video games. And there is a very underappreciated game that I absolutely loved. And it is called wakeboarding unleashed featuring Sean Murray. And uh, I played it on Xbox and I loved that game so much. First of all, I grew up, you know, wakeboarding and water skiing and boating and, and all kinds. So I have a, I have a love for that stuff. And there's never a game that did that until this one. And it did it really, really well. It did it crazy over the top where you could like wakeboard off of buildings and crazy stuff like that. But it looked awesome. The tricks you could do were super cool. It really conveyed that fun Tony Hawk style, like, you know, crazy over the top, do a million tricks in the air, SSX thing. Actually, SSX is probably my answer to this. But anyway. So good, right? That's, that's, that's what a good I thought you were say. It's so good. But Wakeboarding Unleashed, dude. Nobody talks about that game. It was really good. It totally scratched an itch. They never made another one. They ne- I think it might be the only wakeboarding game ever made. It's just so it's such a shame because wakeboarding's rad. It was cool. So, uh, thank you all for sending in your 
quick questions. Again, if you want your quick question on the show, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have our parting gift coming up, so stay tuned for that. Kyle, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we really appreciate it. Kyle Orland from Ars Technica. Um, where can people keep up with your work online? Yeah, Ars Technica is a great place to go. Uh, A-R-S-T-E-C-H-N-I-C-A. It's it's not arts technical. <laughs> Ars Technica. And um, on Twitter, I'm Kyle O-R-L. Awesome. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? I think I'm going to be in San Diego at the Comedy Store on Thursday. It's not 100% confirmed yet, but you can probably look for that. Um, it, it's weird. Uh, I think I might be at, I might be at UCB on uh, <laughs> on this coming this weekend also. But for people that have been asking about this isn't this week, but the the my I've been saying UK shows, which I, I feel bad. They're all in London right now. So people are like, oh, where are you, where are the UK? And I'm just like, oh, just London. But uh, Thursday, June 22nd. Did I say this on the show already? I'll be at uh, a show, doing a spot on a show, Backyard Comedy. Wednesday, June 28th, uh, I'll be at some show in central London. I don't know where it is yet, but FYI, if you're in that part of the city on that day, I'll be doing a spot on a show there. And then on the 29th of June, I'm doing a spot on this show called The Blackout. I know nothing about the shows other than that they were gracious enough to offer me a guest spot, and I'm very excited to be doing them. So if you're in London, hopefully I'll see you uh, next month. Mr. Kanata, what do you have going on? Well, you and I are going to the big Destiny 2 reveal this week. Um, so get excited for that. We'll obviously talk about it in next week's episode. But if you want to hear us talk about it earlier, I will be covering it on my daily video game show, which is on Anchor. You can find that at anchor.fm slash NLB for newest, latest, best. I do 10 minutes every single day about video games. So if you don't want to miss uh, anything that's going on here. We talk about it much more uh, currently. Check that out. Anchor.fm slash NLB. Also, if you have missed any of the newest, latest, best episodes from Anchor, they're all archived on their episodes uh, tab on their app. So you can find all of the stuff I've ever done for newest, latest, best on Anchor by clicking on the episodes button. I also have other shows, a show about movies and TV shows called The Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. And I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Kyle, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, go outside. Go for a walk. Uh, the, uh, I'm in the D.C. area, and the weather's finally gotten nice here. So uh, we got uh, my toddler, a trike, and she's been uh, riding around, and I've been walking around with her. And it's just nice to you know be outside after six months, yeah. pretty much cooped up by the cold. I don't know if you guys can relate to this uh, so much out on the no, West we Coast. No, don't, we don't have cold here. We don't, <laughs> you don't know what you, that is. You skip the bad seasons. Yeah. Well, we, we've had a, a – here in L.A., we've had like since November, we've just been in this general morose malaise that I think it came out of your area. It was like a front. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, you know, I a walk ain't going to fix that, Christian. <laughs> It, I mean, going with march. your toddler does. It'll make it feel more manageable. Once. It really does. I, I stand by the parting gift recommendation, but yeah, the season's not changing anytime maybe, soon. Maybe walking with like two to 300,000 of your friends. <laughs> I've been doing that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, DC provides ample opportunity for that. <laughs> Christian, what's your parting gift? I think I, I've had to have mentioned it before. I've had then to have. You shouldn't. 
No, but I need I I need to again, and we've been doing this show for too long. Not I say too long, meaning this is my last show, guys. This was it. It's been a fun run. Um, I used it all to get into the Destiny Two event, and now I'm done. Um, <laughs> Marvel Unlimited is so it's so good, and also if you don't if you want a little Marvel, but you don't want to go Marvel Unlimited, some Marvel comics a pretty a good backlog of comics has also been added to Comicsologies unlimited or whatever their subscription kind of streaming hey welcome to my i want everything to be i want all the things when i want the things um yeah and i use marvel unlimited and it, it's great it's great for catching up on stuff you saw guardians 2 and you loved it and you want to read some of the incredible guardians comics that have come out over the last few years what do you read on you read on your phone i read on my ipad mini oh wow your mini huh yeah, it's great. I mean, I, if I had a big size iPad, I'd probably use like, you know, the 9.7 or whatever the standard size iPad is. But sometimes between things, like if I need to clear my head and I'm not playing Heroes of the Storm like you might, I sit at my computer and I'll read a, I'll read a book. It's like, you know, five, 10 minute, nice, nice break. But I love it. I love it. Marvel Unlimited. There's so much, so much good stuff has come out recently. And with Marvel Unlimited, you can skip like the crap. You don't have to worry about, <laughs> I paid four bucks for this issue and it's just setting up some stupid crossover event that retcons Spider-Man to make him Tony Stark. Ugh, you can just skip it. Mm. All right. Fair enough. Uh, my parting gift is probably unique to my area, but I bet you could find something in yours. Uh, I went and did on Mother's Day, took my wife and her family. Uh, to a pottery class where we created pottery, sat at you one of those. stand behind her? Yeah, I, I died first and then I came <laughs> back and put my arms around her. 19, 1988 wants the reference back, Christian. Um, no, it, you know, you'd sit at the wheel that spins and you got clay and you got water and you got your hands and you're, you're like, you, you know, it's spinning real fast and you touch it and it like forms into a thing. I did it. I never done that before. Uh, it was really fun. It was really fun. I created a uh, a bowl that I'm going to eat my cereal out of for the rest of my life because that I made that bowl with my hands. And, I'm gonna, and they're currently firing it in their kiln right now. And when it gets back, I'm going to put my cereal in it, and it's it's like candy apple red, and it's my cereal bowl. I made I made that bowl. Um, so I don't know. I recommend people you know try to do an arts and crafts thing. The uh, the pottery thing. There's a place that like really walking distance from my house that uh, that does it. I bet you could find something in your area. Highly recommend it. It was really fun. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did, but uh, I I, th- I thought it was uh, easier than I expected it to be. Uh, although not easy, but you know, I I made a bowl and I thought I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, I be- okay. I probably talked about that longer than it needed to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, the subtitle for our show, DLC. I probably talked about that too long. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again for to Kyle Orland and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of our folks in the chat room listening live also hanging out with us. We appreciate you guys contributing to the show in real time. It's awesome. And all of you that download our show, we are indebted to you as well. Please tell your friends. Maybe write us a nice little review on your platform of choice. All of that word of mouth stuff is all the, really the only reason the only reason we exist and the only way we tell people about the show. So we rely on you. Thanks for that. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>